You're listening to the Guru's Book Club and Self-Improvement Podcast with Brian and Andy. And the quote of the day is, usually when we walk, we are not really walking. We are being carried away by our projects and worries. Thich Nhat Hanh, The Art of Power. That's a great quote. What do you think? That's a really good quote. Yeah, it's a good quote. There were a lot of quotes to try and, and... uh, choose for this quote of the day. Honestly, I could have had like 10. <laughs> Easily. You I know? think that, yeah, I really think that this is a good book for just, even if you're not into the Buddhist practice, it's about um, that mindfulness piece, which is actually something that goes, uh, you know, something very important. And I think that in that statement, he's really talking about being able to quiet the mind and be present in the here and the now. Yeah. And I that's think exactly what he's saying. Yeah. And I think that so many times we do get caught up and that's, that's the problem. The problem that we have is that we are not present. We are thinking about the future or caught up in the past. And because of that, we don't allow ourselves to be in this present moment to be able to realize that this is really the only thing we can control. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what he's really saying is, is that we're so caught up in these thoughts that we don't live for the present, which is where all the power is. And, you know, um, I mean, okay. So listeners, this book, The Art of Power by Thich Nhat Hanh, this is our book for December. Um, We kind of started it in November, um, but that's because we tend to go over or uh, maybe we miss a week here or there. Um, Because we have lives and we're imperfect humans. Anyways, um, so this book, The Art of Power, is is, uh, awesome. Um, Hopefully you are reading it from from, uh, the front to the end with us. There are, oh, I forget how many pages there are. Um, I'm not, I I don't recall. I have it written down, but I can't find it. But uh, you will finish this book by the end of December if you read roughly five to six pages a day. Okay. Or if you listen to it probably for what, 10 minutes a day, you'll probably finish it by the end of December. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, this, this particular quote there that we are, um, talking about comes from chapter one, which is talking about true power, you know, and, uh, the power of being in the now, you know, he, the power of mindfulness. Um, so, so important. Uh, and Andy um, and I, we, we've talked about mindfulness. We've talked about being present. You know, uh, we've had several, several um, episodes, haven't we, Andy? We have. We've had several where we talk about mindfulness and it came, a lot of it came out of the power of now 
But then additionally, I think that there's been many of our books which are talking about how important it is to be able to center and focus and being present. Being and, present. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's the one thing. It's interesting because I think about this as something that I struggled with. And I think most people do because you get so caught up and stuck in your thoughts. And I know that from a therapeutic point of view, the clients that you're probably seeing, that's most of their problems is they're very stuck in either future thinking or stuck in past events that they can't seem to move from. You betcha. For multiple reasons, right? There's multiple reasons why a person might might be in the future or in the past. Um, and a lot of the time, you know, they think that being in the present, it's it's painful. You can't you can't be in the present. And really, it's like actually the the, the present is where the pain goes away. The present is where there is no pain. It's also really the thing that you can right. Well, it's also the thing that you can control, right? And this is the segment where you can say, I can respond to the way my life is in the present moment in a positive way that's going to reflect positive futures. So you may not dictate what the future will hold, but your present moment can help sow the karma or cause an effect for that for better things to ripen in the future. And then the past, I mean, this is time to reflect sometimes about maybe, I mean, we're not saying you shouldn't ever talk about the past because they are historical events on your journey through life, but they don't have to consume you, which is what this quote is fairly well saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it. I mean, really, it, it's like, <laughs> I'm going to read it again, right, for, for the effect. Ready, listeners? Okay. Usually when we walk, we are not really walking. We are being carried away by our projects and worries. So we're not actually thinking about what we're doing. We're not walking. We're, we're thinking about something else. You know, our body is walking, but our mind is not. You know, um, and, and in therapy, we talk a lot about, a, um, well, in certain um aspects and certain um therapies you know we talk about having a, a mind body connection and uh you know you could you could think of it as as i guess being present to what's going on in your mind and in your body and, and you know there's also this idea that what happens in mental health affects physical health and what happens in physical health affects mental health you know everything's interconnected and that's why it really matters and actually something that Tignahan talks about in here too, right? Is that we are, uh, I think he called it the non-self, right? Which I thought was really, really interesting. Uh, he did an excellent job at explaining that, I thought. Yeah, and it's, it's a very big uh, Buddhist terminology for um, realizing that um, you are not the things that you think you are. You are not this body. You are not this arm. You are not this. You are not your thoughts. You are a non-self, and it, it's uh, from the Tibetan aspect. It's called emptiness. So non-self or emptiness are replaceable, interchangeable, hmm. and it's this sense that you the it's the conventional wisdom that you think the conventional thoughts 
that you have, which are, I am my thoughts. I am this body. And this is me. Um, are is not true. We actually put that in our thought processing actually puts that into place. And when you can remove yourself and realize that you are not these things, then it frees you up and it's the nature of reality. And so realizing that, and here's the, here's what he's really getting at is, is that we put all of the stuff out there and create our reality. And when you really aren't that, then it makes sense that, okay, I can also create something else that's positive. Hmm. It's, it's a really deep sense. It's a deep emptiness is like very uh, profound wisdom of understanding. Yeah. And it takes many, it takes, it takes a long time to be able to understand the concept. What's really funny is, and this is my funny, uh, during, I would, I would teach emptiness to students and there would always be, I've had the same student show up three times to for the same talk <laughs> and the it's the Been most complex yeah it's the most <laughs> complex discussion so they they show up they don't show up for you know, the entire book is reading up and then and then at the very end there's this this emptiness chapter and then they would show up for this one <laughs> and they were always like wow and it, and it blows Mind most blown. people's minds. Yeah, it blows most people's minds. Even just even the regular students who had been maybe following the along with the book, emptiness is a very deep subject. Non-self is a very big subject and a very um, it's hard to grasp. So what? So if I'm if I'm going to attempt it, then mm -hmm. right because the 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 idea of the non-self. Um, I mean, there, there's some things I can look at it from a therapeutic um, thing, you know, which is like, uh, I mean, I, in my mind right now, um, the best thing that I can come up with is diffusion, which is that you are not fused with uh, these things around you. You're not fused with your identity, actually. Uh, you know, you, you are just, you are, right? <laughs> so... Um, and you know, so like, uh, I like Lord of the Rings. My wife does not. She speaks poorly about Lord of the Rings. It feels like she's speaking poorly about me. Cause you identify with the Lord of the yeah. Rings being something that you like, and she doesn't like something you like. Well, actually so she doesn't like something that you feel that you're connected to. Right. So the non-self would be like, I am not Lord of the Rings. That is not me. I that is something that I like, but it is not me. I am, um, I, I I am drawn to it because, you know, maybe it's partially me. There's something in it that I connect with, and kind of like, well, and this book goes into and it's like, hey, um, you are not your children, but your children are are part of you. They actually literally are part of you. You know, they have your DNA. And so you are not your children. Your children are not you, but they are you. And like, so there's like this, like non-self, but everything's connected kind of thing. 
You're correct. So there okay. is there is this sense of that. So let we can break that down into we are all connected into the web of life. We are all connected. So we can take that concept Word and say of life. Yes, we are all part of the same circle and we're all connected because and we're all very important pieces of that connection in that web of life. So I think of spider webs when I ever talk about this. And that we're all integral in those connections. We're all, we, if, you know, you take out a piece of spider web, it could fall and fall off this, you know, a tree or something that's holding onto it, especially if you take enough of them off. Um, but so that is always true. We are all interconnected, meaning that we all have impact on everything. But the other thing is, and this is the part that really connects with um, things that we perceive that are us. So automobiles, things not going right. And it really has something to do with in the very depth is things that we believe about ourselves that are not true, which hmm. lead to our delusional thinking. So our grasping onto the self creates our problems, which is exactly what he's talking about because and because we are all connected, when we sit and grasp onto this life and the way that it, things are, we, again, we reflect that out to others, meaning that, and that's what causes our problems. So these things that we're connected to cause our problems, and then it's also reflected out to all others, but also if in negative ways, but also there's this positivity that we can give out, this light that we can give out to others mm. and connect with them but it's a ripple what, effect kind of thing it, it really is it's a really complex discussion and the sense of it is is that the one thing that i really grab out of it is this we get stuck because we think that this is the way it is and there's not and, flexibility and there isn't flexibility to it and when you realize that this thing that you think is does not really exist the way that you think it does. Yeah. So it in frees other words, you and frees your mind to be able to see things differently and be able to realize the true nature of reality. So uh, true power comes from being less rigid in our thinking. Right. Okay. That's really cool. Um, so, uh, so that's mindfulness, right? And and the non-self, um, and those are uh, this is, it's really quite interesting, right? Like that's just one part. I actually really liked that Thich Nhat Hanh, um included other things other than mindfulness in this book, right? So you've got the power of now, which really just focused on being in the present. And there were some other things that he went to. Um, if you listen to other podcasts, you all know that I'm not really the biggest fan of that book. I like what it presents. I just thought the guy rambled and, and you know, and, 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 and Andy, you have done a great job at explaining why he would do that from a philosophical standpoint, regardless of why I'm, I'm not a fan. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um, my point being is that Thich like, yes, there's mindfulness. There needs to be present. And there's more, <laughs> right? And it's like, okay, cool. So it's not just about being present focused. If all you do is being focused in the present, 
that's great. That's really good. That's helpful. But it actually doesn't end there. It will lead to other things, right? So that's what I'm getting. So um, we're talking about different powers. We're not just talking about the power of being present, you know, and being, being mindful. We are talking about um, these things that basically um, counteract the cravings that we normally see um, associated with power. So we, we have um, the idea of wealth, fame, sex, fancy food, and lots of sleep. That's what uh, Thich Nhat Hanh posits as like these cravings, right? These things that people view as, as giving power, right? If you have wealth, you have power. If you have fame, you have power. If you can um, be liberated with, with sex or... or you know, have um, sexual relationships with, with people, then that's power. If you can afford fancy food or eat fancy food, then that's associated with power. If you can get lots of sleep, then that's power. You know, all these things. And he's like, no, on the contrary, it's these five things, you know, that, that give power. And he calls them, you know, it's the power of faith, the power of diligence, the power of mindfulness, which we just discussed, the power of concentration and the power of insight. And, and he dives into all of these things. And I really enjoyed reading about it. You know, um, the power of faith, he, he, he you know, I, I think um, in Christianity, uh, you know, it's spoken a lot about faith. Um and some people that are not religious or don't believe in in any kind of deity or anything like that, um, I think struggle with this concept of faith. And um, and in reality, um, even though he's talking about it here in the, in terms of Buddhism, you can have faith regardless of whether you believe in a god or not, or whether you belong to a religion or not. Like faith is an aspect of spirituality, not necessarily out of uh, religiosity and we've right. we've talked about before in the past of the difference between being spiritual and being religious and how you can have both or one and not the other right and i i, I so these five principles are something that we all really uh, are affected uh, these are effective ways of being able to give yourself power and internal power, which is where the true strength lies. And these five principles, now it is, it's interesting to me, and this is where Buddhist sex and sex, not sex. <laughs> S-E-C-T-S. Buddhist sex um, differ on, this is definitely Zen Buddhism, but there's a form of it in um tibetan buddhism that is similar and we talk about the same things but in different terms but i like what this is because i was like okay the five powers and in buddhism it's six and there's a couple you know there's some other there's an extra one in there like giving and mm -hmm. moral discipline but and so it's a little different a little but they also contain are contained in these same things and i really like 
what he's saying in this, because this is really, if you understand these principles, and this is why I was really drawn to Buddhism. These are steps to help you become more mindful and give you more power. And it's a recipe to make that happen. So whether you believe, this is the philosophy part of Buddhism that I fell in love with. Mm. Because these are very rational steps, logical steps to create a mind that is powerful in itself and being able to practice all of these five steps, which is what, which is what Buddhists do. They be, they meditate on each one of these steps and each step is contained in meditation in some way, like hmm. consciousness, you know, being able to be conscious, conscientious of the surrounding of, and especially when you talk about mindfulness, it's very important to be that connect with the things that, you know, just drinking tea. It's like with, within, um, and he talks about that in this book is that when he was a young novice monk, he closed the door. He just went out and got something, but he wasn't mindful of the door closing. You know, he talks about these things of mindfulness and always being aware. Now they're very, um, as a Zen Buddhist, you're very much focused on those pieces. However, if we practice meditate through meditation and through different methodologies, these things will help lift our lives so that we can become more powerful. And so that's what I really felt. This philosophy is very much like steps that therapy, therapeutic yeah. steps to be well, able to handle your mind. And, you know, I, I took it as I'm reading it, my take on this was, wasn't necessarily like um, you mentioned, you know, that you take these steps and you meditate on them and you meditate in them and everything. And that's kind of your practice. And I don't know if I, you know, I take my own experiences as a therapist into this and I, you know, I, I interpret it this way um, that uh, these powers, um, obviously, yes, you need to think on them. And one of the powers is the power of concentration, right? And power of mindfulness. So you can concentrate and you can be mindful and you practice these things and, you, and you know, um, that is, is kind of a form of, of meditation. But then they bring up the, you know, the, the virtues of of these things and what is a virtue you know you heard like patience is a virtue well a virtue is a behavior guided by um a, a, your morals moral code or whatever right like something right so so virtues so patience is a behavior isn't that interesting so patience is a virtue basically someone saying like patience is a behavior <laughs> right but we we i think people just say it, but they never really think about it so if patience is an action right it's a behavior something that you are literally practicing you do it and therefore you have it <laughs> okay in the moment you are perfectly patient if you're practicing patience which is really cool um anyways uh i'm getting distracted a little bit <laughs> Um, no, but I love it. I love what you're saying because it's coming from Western, your Western way of thinking, which is the Western therapies. Well, um, I I'm like definitely, it, go ahead. I, I apologize. I, I always cut you off, Andy. I am so <laughs> yeah. sorry. Like it is, it is a bad habit of mine to think that my voice is more important than yours. <laughs> so I, I sincerely apologize. No, not, not at all. 
not at all. Um, so please continue. No, no, but go ahead. I don't remember what I was going to say. The, well, what if I said the same thing? I kind of forget. <laughs> okay, hold on. Mindfulness moment. Get ourselves back on track. What we were talking about. Uh, oh, okay. Um, I was talking. We were talking about, about the virtues of the virtues of these, and I was yeah. talking about the fact that, and I think that from the Western therapy, which is where you, where you were coming from, and why it why you're seeing it the way you are, which is awesome. Yes. So um, I see it as like it's a literal action and it does require a meditative approach to the action. So I wrote down in here in my notes as I was reading um, that uh, it reminded me of a story about my my drumming. I'm a drummer on not like professionally or anything, just as a hobby. It's fun. Um and as I was reading about the power of diligence, there's there's a, a part in it that said, don't allow yourself to get distracted and forget to practice, right? Well, I very literally, very literally um, took this as the action of practicing, like you are practicing the drums. And I was thinking about how I forgot to practice uh, for a while, or I got distracted from it. It's not that I forgot, it's just that I got distracted and then... I didn't make time for it. And I remember a distinct time. I played a rock show and it was really fun. And I had been in the habit of practicing every day for months. And my uh, my friend afterwards came up and said, hey, you were really solid up. Like you played really well. You know, I was like, well, like it was different than when what you've played before. And to me, I was just doing the same thing, or right? I didn't notice anything, but it was because I had practiced. And then all of a sudden, some things happen, baby comes along, and you know, life changes and, and whatnot, and I am distracted and I'm not practicing anymore. And I find myself playing in a band, and it's like one of the guys kind of calls me out. I was like, hey, it's kind of sloppy. And I was like, oh no. I wasn't diligent. I wasn't mindful in my approach, so I was distracted, you know, and and probably because I, I was concentrating or paying attention to the wrong things, or at least different things, right? Maybe drumming wasn't the, the biggest priority, and so that's why I didn't get it. But quite literally, I stopped practicing, and I lost what I had. So we, we practice, and, and I love that word practice. I use it a lot. We call it private practice in therapy, right? Um, just because I'm a therapist doesn't mean I'm perfect. I will practice new things that I learn. I will work with a person and guide them to learn how to practice the things that I bring to their attention. So it's a literal behavior, people. Like, you have to act. This is not just a, to me, it's not just a, a meditation. There is a literal behavior, an action associated with with each one of these powers. Well, that's why. So when I say meditation, um, I'm practicing. Mm. So I'm familiarizing myself with that subject, which means I'm practicing it. I'm thinking of it. I'm putting myself into it. I'm understanding the virtues of it. 
I may be saying some things to myself about or seeing how I can become better at it. Hmm. So I'm really centering myself and understanding the fullness of that subject and familiarizing. So familiarity, the power of familiarity is that the more that you think about these subjects, the more that you will become embraced with them. And just like with your drumming analogies, which is awesome, because that's exactly what a lot of people can understand, is that just like an instrument, your mind is an instrument. And the more that you tune it to these frequencies, to these notes, you will be able to understand and get more power to yourself. But it takes practice to be able to get there. So first, you may start off with kind of a rough understanding of one of these powers and then as you familiarize more and more especially as he talks through these more in this book you'll be able to mentally understand the constructs that make it up better and then you'll be able to keep practicing it and making it yours and then once it becomes yours you can and you don't kind of stray away from it but you just put it into your everyday life, then it becomes a tool in your tool chest. It becomes a power, a power for you. A power that can't be taken away. And that's, it's kind of what um, he was pointing at too. Like, uh, you know, he brought up a lot of political type of things or, you know, um, leadership roles that people might have in business and, and um, you know, how, you don't have true power in 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 many situations even though you think you do like you can lose it it can be used incorrectly it's it's um kind of elusive in a lot of ways if if you go about it you know for the wrong reasons um and and that's kind of uh, another point that i think we need to make here right and we talk about the whys your reasons for doing things. We'll bring that up over and over and over again, because that is sincerely the most important thing um, in your life is why do you do what you do? If it's not for the right reasons, you won't feel fulfilled and I won't be uh, bringing you joy. Um, so why do you want power? Why do you want to be um, an influential person in the lives of others? Why do you want to, um, you know, be loved and how can you give love in order to be you know, like, does this make sense? I, I hope listeners, as you listen and you can, you can reflect on this and, and maybe send us messages and things like that. Well, here's what, here's what I'm, I'm going to take it from a different approach, which is the perspective that I understand this as is that yes, the why is the big reason that you change your mind and you're, and you, and you feel powerful. That's really the big why. But as you familiarize and understand the virtues of these minds that you create with these powers, these minds in this in become a true source of power for you. And the more that you familiarize, you won't want these other powers because you'll be so understanding of the virtues of these powers, you won't want the other ones because you'll understand that they're fleeting. So that's what the, the, the way that a lot of Buddhists discuss this is that, that there's always these negativities with this base of power, this, and it's a philosophical thing. 
And that's why it's a debate when you talk, you know, Tibetans debate these things, these Buddhist principles, because what they're talking about is, okay, this power that the power external power piece where I want power to be able to control people, or I want money and influence and wealth. Well, here's the things that they bring if you go after that power. And it is fleeting, wealth is fleeting, health is fleeting, all these reasons for the power, and they're negative, basically. Mm, impermanent. Impermanent, and they're in, in very impermanent. Which he talks they're about. Also, yeah, which is, that's impermanence is everything in Buddhism. But the other thing is, is that, so he's under, he's making, he's saying, in this understanding of what these things are, these things that are impermanent, they don't believe, don't bring lasting power. But here are these things that are virtuous. Here are things. That, and as you familiarize, you won't want the other ones because you'll realize this is the way, this is the right path because it's virtuous. This mind leads to a better place. I don't want the other path because that's negative. These are positive. So why don't I practice these positive things? And in your familiarization of these things, your mind will become adapt to being part of them and not seeking the other ones anymore. And you'll and you and your mind will be able to change. And then based on that powerful change that you'll have, you will be in this much more more lasting power. And then you won't even think about the other ones anymore. I mean, they'll always be there. But because your mind will be so familiarized with it, because familiarity is so important with these things, with these precepts. Well, and, and you know, he, he, he does say that, right? Uh, where is it? Um, I think, uh, yeah, so he said... Uh, you know, if you're if you're actually practicing this stuff, um, it's deliberately and steady, steadily and continuously. Right. You know, and then the continuously is probably the, the most difficult part. The continuously is the piece that is the hardest part. And I, I've everybody who just like with the drums. That steady familiarization and building is all like building blocks. So we always take a look at that, especially in Buddhism. Once you understand there's a basic principle and then you dive more into it, the more that you understand, the better familiar you are with it and the more that you can use it. But it also has to be consistent and it also has to be ongoing. The that's why they call it the practice yeah. because you're continually practicing these minds in everyday situations so thing happens in my old mind i used to get very angry really fast and as you familiarize with these powers the more that your mind will be able to see things differently and reduce the anger reduce the friction in your mind that causes problems with them and you won't react the same way you'll start responding in a different way in a more mindful way which brings you more power in the end and a happier life. Yeah, which is the goal, mm -hmm. right? We we sincerely, I think everyone for the most part, right? There's some people that are truly unhappy and, and maybe they are so far down that, that hole that what they want is for everyone else to be unhappy. And I think, um, you know, 
perhaps as I say that, you can think of some people um, that are that way. But for the most part, I think everyone just wants to be happy. And maybe they are not sure of the path there, you know, and, and everyone's path might be different. But this path uh, seems to be working for a lot of people. And I will say this, that therapeutic interventions, Western interventions, um, have a lot of basis um, from the wisdom of, of Buddhism. I'm telling you, as I'm learning more, you know, from you, Andy, and from reading uh, some of these books that have more of the Buddhist mentality, um, like, man, I'm like, man, Western world, like, stole this. <laughs> you know, we just borrowed. It's... Maybe not stole, but we borrowed and didn't uh, didn't give credit. Um, but, but, like... It's uh, so true. I, I find yeah. this all the time. And then we talk about this, actually, that the Western, Western ideas... Um, we're now starting to catch up with the East's philosophies. So about, time. about time. right. It no. is. And there's so many things like uh, transcendental meditation and so many really positive things. Um, I think of some really great studies out of for, for military folks that came out of who have PTSD, who had came out of a war or some battle zones or, you know, some sort of, militaristic thing that happened to them and they have PTSD because of it. Mindful, the practice of mindfulness has helped tremendously with patients who have PTSD and that meditation and those things are brought to you by those Eastern, by the Eastern yeah. religions. But now it? they're using them in a new therapeutic way to be able to help patients that, you know, is not, it's not, I think it's just combining those Eastern philosophies into Western psychology to be able to really bring a lot of value. Mm -hmm. And I think that you're, and I think you're recognizing the value of these Eastern philosophies, but, and it's not that the Western philosophy, the psychology is bad. It's just that now that they're molding, there's some new things that can come create out of these things that lead to such positive minds and positive effects. The blending of, of uh, Eastern and Western is, is really beneficial. You know, we talk about blending and, and balancing and everything. Uh, I, I think that's important um, as, we, as we consider these things. You know, Buddhism comes from a culture that's thousands and thousands of years old. Psychology stems from the last... 100, 150 years, 200 years, right? So like... Um, modern one, psychology. I'd yeah, say modern psychology. Yes, yeah. modern psychology. Thank you. Um, which is what most therapies are based on these days, right? Uh, you look at Freud and he didn't live all that long ago if you compare it to, to Buddha or, uh, you know, so... I or mean, Hinduism, which is the where the base of that comes from, right? Yeah. So, so, um, um, in closing, um, what we're getting at is that regardless, uh, um, of where you're at in life, uh, these, these powers are accessible to you right now. Um, re regardless of where you're at in life, um, whether your tree is growing on a cliff or it's growing in a meadow, um, you know, in other words, like no matter what circumstances you're in, 
uh, these things are beneficial to you because power comes from within. It does not come from wealth or fame or, or uh, political prowess. Um, it comes from within. So regardless of where you're at, and you know, it doesn't matter what other people do, you can still have power. And that is what he's getting at. So practice the power of faith. Practice the power of diligence. Practice the power of mindfulness, the power of concentration, and the power of insight. All these five things uh, are, are definitely going to lead to a better life. And I, I'm sorry that we didn't get to get into those as much um, as we would have liked. Um, but, uh, you know, we have, we have a, a long book. Um, not as long as the last one, and it's actually it's actually relatively short, just barely over like 200 pages. Um, but you know, there's other things that we're going to be hitting on and touching on as we go throughout, and I imagine that some of these things will come up again in future episodes. So thank you for listening and stay tuned. Um, Andy, where can our listeners uh, contact us or, or follow us? So we are on Guru's podcast or at Guru's podcast on Instagram. We do have a Facebook page and it's called Guru's podcast. And then additionally, uh, you can find us through Gmail at Guru's podcast one at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you all. Um, we are always looking for feedback and even maybe subject you know, subjects that you're interested in so that we can uh, tailor a book, find a book that might be something up your alley if you're, you know, to, so we can have a discussion about it. So if always looking that forward you to that. Want us to read, let us know. We're, yeah, we're not opposed to um, other ideas and, and suggestions. Yes. So we will see you all next time and uh, stay safe. Adios. Thank you.